This is Future Sight, a show from Capgemini Invent. I'm Liz Lunier. On this show, we explore new ways for you to adapt and grow for the future in business. On this week's episode, we're discussing how South by Southwest has evolved from its beginnings as a music festival that captured the emerging cultural zeitgeist to now showcasing emerging trends in everything from culture to technology and business. To discuss this today, I'm joined by... Hey, I'm Hugh Forrest. I am co-president and chief programming officer at South by Southwest. And... I'm Craig McNeil, president of Capgemini Invent Americas. Excellent. Thank you, gentlemen. South by Southwest has long been at the cutting edge of new worlds being created and designed since its inception. From setting the cultural tone by showcasing the future of music and film to today, where it champions the future of technology and design, I would like to take a step back and talk about its beginnings to start. Hugh, can you tell us more about South by Southwest and its overall journey? Absolutely. The first year of South by Southwest was 1987, so way back pre-internet for most of us. South by Southwest was patterned after an event in New York called the New Music Seminar. At one point, the organizers of the New Music Seminar were going to come to Austin and and do a New Music Seminar South. That fell through, so it fell on local folks to as this event. The people who were doing this organization were people from the Austin Chronicle, and they had lots of contacts with live music venues because live music venues would advertise a lot in the Austin Chronicle. And if you're going to do a music-focused event, you need a live music venue. So they went knocking on doors of live music venues, and lo and behold, club owners turned out to be a little bit more conservative than you might think. And they said, that sounds like a really neat idea. Why don't you come back in two or three years when you have an established business model. Eventually, they found enough club owners in Austin who said, we have one week out of the year, which is absolutely horrible. We can't do any worse than we're doing right now in this one week out of the year. So you can have our club that week. That week was spring break week because you have 40,000, 50,000 students from UT leaving Austin to go to the coast or go skiing. That's why South by Southwest always happens in March. I love telling that story because I think it's a a great example of what entrepreneurs do is take something that no one thinks is of any value and turn it into value. So again, that's how the event started in 1987. When it started in 1987, it was entirely focused on music industry, national, even to some degree, international industry. And that's how it how it how the event went for the first seven years. And then in 1994, we added film and what was then called multimedia. And that kind of was the first in terms of many pivots and reinventions and content expansions and fast forward 25 years to where we are now, where we cover all kinds of different industries, verticals, as much as South by Southwest has changed in those 30 plus years since 1987, when we only focused on music. What hasn't changed is the focus on massive creativity. We bring together people who are very creative in their individual industries. We bring them into a city that has always cultivated and celebrated creativity. And we find that really neat things happen when you put all these creative people together in a creative city in a time of the year, which celebrates our spring when things are regenerating, reblooming, waking up again. 
Well, that's fantastic. And creativity is something that is a big part of what Frog is as well. And I understand that Frog and South by Southwest have a long history together beginning somewhere in the mid-90s. Craig, can you tell me a little bit about how the relationship started and evolved over time? More background on. If if I dig into the Frog team that exists today, we've got one person that is a three-time Frog executive in our Austin studio. And when I speak to Jana Garza is her name, when I speak to Jana about what it used to be like when it started, and I think she has some experience from the, the early 90s, maybe it's the mid 90s. It sounds like it was a, an entirely different world from what it has become. And Hugh, would love to get your point of view on this, but it sounds like it was incredibly intimate back in the beginning of the, uh, the Frog South by Southwest relationship. And it, from Jana's experience, it sounds like it really was the, uh, the pinnacle of the design element of South by Southwest. But Hugh'd have to get your perspective on that as well. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Craig. Frog was the Austin office of Frog was instrumental. And that's probably not even a strong enough word in terms of when we first launched this thing called multimedia. Somehow we had a connection to that office. My friend Dewey Winburn was the co-founder of South by Self with Multimedia, and he knew him in town. And I had I think he had some some particularly good relationships at Frog. So Frog designed the first poster we had for multimedia and several posters thereafter. And then for several years, Frog would host our opening party. And as you say, it was a much more intimate event then. So it could be done in a relatively contained Frog office on our office for Frog Design on Congress Avenue. And as I recall, there were it was a two-floor office at the time and one floor would be entirely devoted to the um to the party and there'd be all kinds of neat things that would happen and it really set the one of the many things that set the tone and the vibe of this multimedia event where you know a, a business is opening up their doors inviting everyone in from all over Austin all over the US from all over the world showing them neat things demonstrating what they're doing making friends making new business connections and it was again a big part of our early growth with what was then called multimedia I'll also say the one of my projects that I always wanted to do that I never have is just do a like a graph or heat map or whatever of all the amazing innovators who've worked at some point within the Frog office in Austin and then gone on to do great things in other cities or in Austin. And so many of the innovators, forward-thinking folks in Austin creatives have been involved with that office. And again, that that's one of the reasons why it's been, Frog has been so instrumental in South by Southwest, our growth and particularly our growth when we started moving more into technology. Um, so it's been a great relationship way back to those early days of 1994, 95, 96. Well, let's talk a little bit more about how you've, how you went from looking at these unknown artists and then incorporating technology in business. How did you navigate this kind of a transformation and innovation? That's a great question. First and foremost, let me say that South by Southwest has always been a very strong reflection of what is happening, what is trending, what is buzzing, what is hot in Austin. And so we started as a music event in 1987 because there was a particularly strong music scene in Austin in the mid to late 80s. There still is. In 1994, we added a film event because you had these two young directors in Austin, Rick Linkletter and Robert Rodriguez, who are beginning to create this indie film industry here. 
and wanted an event that would tie into that. And then you had this emerging tech scene in Austin also. It had been tech here for quite a while, a lot because of the university, but with what Michael Dell was doing and how that was beginning to bubble up in the early 90s with firms like Frog. So again, it was a significant pivot on the one hand, but on the other hand, it was, it was still focused on creativity. Certainly what we found when we first when we first added these new elements is that the communities didn't always mix like we thought they would, that the music people would stay on one side of the room and the film people on another and multimedia people on a still different side of the room. And I think that that was, that was a big challenge for maybe the first 10 years that we did multimedia and then we changed the name to interactive is that it didn't really mix. And there was always a joke of the the nerds and the geeks are leaving now and now come the people with the full body tattoos that are the musicians. But I think that you can also say and make a convincing argument that in the last 20 years, those cultures, those communities have overlapped a lot more. It's certainly become a lot cooler to work in tech than maybe it was in the 90s, early 2000s. More people want to be entrepreneurs. That was certainly the case in the early 2000s when we had the recession then. I think we'll see that now or we're seeing that again now with various tech layoffs that people will go back and there'll be a boom in entrepreneurism. So again, it was the pivots there, the trying to mix these different communities maybe didn't happen as quickly or as seamlessly as we would have liked to think. But I certainly I certainly believe that the fact that we have so many different kinds of creative communities together in Austin for South by Southwest in what we do in 2023 is one of the unique value propositions of this event that that you can learn a lot from people who are attending South by Southwest who are part of your own industry. But often you can learn even more from someone who is from a different industry, understanding their creative process, listening to how they did something, just being inspired by what they do that leads to a new idea, that leads to a new partnership, that leads to a new friendship. Breaking outside your industry really opens up those doors. And again, that's something that I think we do particularly well at South by Southwest. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. And one of the things that's most impressive about South by Southwest is that you were touching on this, is that it's changed over time to really reflect that the times we live in and actually very much the how Austin itself has evolved over time. I know that you mentioned Michael Dell and some of the other things, but can you talk a little bit more about how South by Southwest has evolved in tandem with Austin as a city to do business in and particularly regarding those communities that you were mentioning earlier? Sure. Again, we'll echo back to you or repeat back to you what you've said that the West has always been a strong reflection of, of the city of Austin. So, for instance, roughly 10 years ago, we started doing more content focused on health tech, med tech, biotech. And that was an anticipation of this new Dell Medical School and the idea that the kind of long tail that would create in terms of building more of a health tech, med tech, biotech industry in Austin and us tying into that. And now the we've done a health tech track for maybe seven or eight years now. It's always one of the most popular things that we have. It certainly touches a lot of different elements of the event, ranging from data to privacy to even design. How do you design a, a, a better health community? 
community or a better health experience. More recently, 2022 was the first year that we had a transportation track. One that is a tip of the hat that that your that cars, that EVs are probably your biggest computer type advice, computer type device that any of us use. But two, it is a tip of the hat that we now have this huge Tesla factory in Austin. And that huge Tesla factory has created much more of a transportation infrastructure here. And again, we wanted to reflect that at South by Southwest. So if you ask me what South by Southwest is going to look like in five years and 10 years or 10 years, I don't quite know, but I can tell you that it will look a lot like what the city of Austin looks like. I think it goes without saying there's a strong design community here, hence a strong design track and presence at South by Southwest and a strong entrepreneurial community here in Austin. And hence, we do so much content focused on entrepreneurism and startups and founders at South by Southwest. Well, attracting creative people seems to really be at the core of South by Southwest philosophy. Do you see the integration of tracks like design, technology, and innovation as a natural extension of that philosophy? And how does it really incorporate the community around you? Absolutely. The design track is the biggest challenge, I think, always on that design track and programming. It is just, there's so much that we can encompass there, so much that it can focus on. But again, the bottom line to everything we do in design and everything we do as South by Southwest is a focus on creativity. So whether it's designing a better experience in your EV or is thoughtful designing of a particular community, these are all things that we cover within that design track at South by Southwest. It's always one of the most popular tracks. There's always a lot of carryover between the attendees in that track and the attendees in other tracks. It really epitomizes what we do at South by Southwest. I think that design is probably one of our OG tracks in terms of being around as long as anything. We typically, the tracks will change a little bit from year to year. That focus on design has not changed because that is so much the heart of what we do. Craig, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about the design track at South by Southwest? I think um, we're super excited about what this does for our, our ability to get our message out there in the design world. I think if you look at just the history, and we talked about this a little while ago, we've got a long history of being part of this. We wanted to renew that this year. And when we think about just the connections that it allows us to make at the event, it's really, it's really quite inspirational. Excellent. Excellent. Hugh, you've worked with South by Southwest for a very long time and have seen and overseen a lot of changes that we've talked about. How do you encourage creativity within South by Southwest as an organization? That is a great question. And I think that it's certainly a question that's that has become more challenging for us as we've grown from a relatively small company to a mid-sized company with 150 folks or so. And you create a little more of a bureaucracy there, but sometimes that that challenges creativity. We we try to give our staff a lot of a lot of room to to be as creative as possible. And I'm typically and when I mention that, I'm typically focusing on people who are programming content, putting together track content, and essentially saying to this person, "Tell us what your vision is for this track," and they'll tell us what their vision is, and we'll say, "That's great." Now go out and pursue that vision, curate that vision. We also one of the things that I think 
has been a big part of our growth is we have essentially a modified crowdsourcing approach to content where we get a lot of ideas from the community. That's helped us be creative internally as well as keep the event creative and fresh and new because we're always absorbing new topics that our community is interested in and gently releasing topics that maybe they're not as interesting as interested in as they were before. One of the biggest problems businesses face when they're trying to innovate and change with the times, and I'm sure South by Southwest also has to face this too, is that you end up chasing trends. How have you avoided that? I don't know that we've avoided it. I think we're we are we are front and center on that in many occasions. Certainly for the 2023 event, there will be a ton of focus on AI and particularly generative AI, given that's the that is the big trend in first quarter 2023. And we'll have a lot of panels, presentations that are specifically focused on AI. We'll also have a lot of panels and presentations that I think will ultimately pivot to AI. How does generative AI change? And that's whether it's a tech-related panel or whether it's a panel about creating music. What happens when your generative AI bot can create something that's almost as good as a human singer-songwriter. That is an example of where we are in terms of trends. A year ago, we saw a lot of crypto-related content, and we or whatever crypto winner began shortly after South by Southwest. So my point here is that I'll say that we sometimes embrace those trends. Sometimes we don't as fully as we should. Maybe other times we go overboard. But I do think that on average, the most popular content at an event like South by Southwest is something that is less trend focused and more evergreen focused on how do you be more creative every day? How do you absorb thoughts from other industries? What is what did you learn from going all in on AI and realizing that it maybe is not there yet? I hope we have a healthy balance between something that is focused on flavor of the day, flavor of the month, and focused on bigger picture topics that don't necessarily don't necessarily focus on the, that flavor of the day, but more focus on the entire process. Yeah, the whole creativity in general. That's fantastic, Hugh. One of the things that businesses also have to look at is that they also have to, how do they maintain and retain their creative workforce? Craig, do you have a thought on that? Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> I think that's that's something that we're looking at on a daily basis. Just in Frog, I would say we do that throughout Capgemini. And I think every enterprise can relate to that, really trying to hold on to those to those folks. And really the creative process within organizations is absolutely paramount to, uh, to innovation. And I think we've tried to approach that by ensuring people have a diversity of work to work on. We try to do that by making sure that the environment that people work in is something that's inspiring, empowering, makes them feel like they have an opportunity to to up their skills, up their game. And there's really the physical aspect of it too. And that's something that really went away in the pandemic, but the ability to interact with other humans and the ability to do that in a workspace that feels like it's, it's helping raise the bar, I think are incredibly important things. Um, and although this is completely coincidental, Liz, to your question, if you look at the Frog Studio that we have on South Congress in Austin, and anybody that uh, that works with me would attest to this, it is by far the most inspiring workspace that we have. And that's maybe because it's also the newest, right? It's a, it actually was something that we, we took hold of during the pandemic and have only been able to very recently utilize it to, to the way that we want to. But I think those are a handful of things that we see in sort of the 
tools to retaining creative talents. And of course, we can get into to all of the ins and outs of, of being creative and, and the things that we're leveraging doing in the market to, to enhance that. And I know that'll be part of our discussion here. Yeah, but before we get into that, why don't we talk a little bit more about South by Southwest? Craig, I know that Frog's playing even more of a role this year at South by Southwest. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I think we we already talked about the fact that we're sponsoring the design track. So that's something that obviously Frog has done in the past. We're coming back into that this year. A big part of that is having Anthony Panazzo, who's the leader of Frog Americas, do one of the the presentations. And he's doing a presentation called The Power of Provocation and Liberating Creativity. Sorry, that's the last piece of the title. And uh, Anthony was previous to to running Frog in the Americas. Anthony was our chief design officer, has an incredible history in Frog as as well as in other uh, creative agencies. And Anthony's going to do a phenomenal job in his his presentation. And he's bringing a couple of clients on stage. The next thing we're doing is we've got a lounge, and in late January we we launched the Frog trends for 2023. And so in the lounge, we'll have a number of our frogs talking to to conference participants about those trends and then wrap up frogs in here with a party in our South Congress studio. And again, it'll be the whole theme around the power of provocation. So those are the few of the things that we're doing. Obviously, we'll have a number of frogs from the US and from our global team present and, and we'll be hosting a number of conference participants and clients. That sounds awesome. Are there any additional innovations that are going to be featured on this year's design track, Hugh, that you want to highlight? I'm not sure I can list them off the top of my head. I do love Craig's answer that that everything ends with a party, which is in true South by Southwest fashion. And I love that Frog is doing this this trend lounge. On the one hand, I said that some of the most successful sessions at South by Southwest are sessions that are that focus on evergreen topics, big picture process topics. That said, I also know that so many people come to an event like South by Southwest to try to get specific takeaways that they can bring back to their place of business about what the future holds. And so I think that Frog Design Lounge is going to be incredibly popular. Certainly, some of the sessions that have really risen to the top in popularity over the last few years are sessions where a presenter is talking about these are the top trends we see this year, the next five years, the next 10 years. People want that kind of information from an event like South by Southwest. Frogs for the design track for 2023 is going to be is spot on. That's awesome. I know that we talked a little bit about generative AI earlier, Hugh, and I understand that it's also a big part of this year's design track at South by Southwest. As a show that's always centered on creative people, can you talk about some of the conversations that will be happening this year around this new technology, Hugh? Yeah. Again, it's going to be just where we are in the calendar and where we are in the chat GPT hype cycle and generative AI hype cycle. Those <laughs> lines are crossing just the sweet spot. Some of the speakers that are that will be focusing on this, we've got Greg Brockman, who is the president of OpenAI, which is, of course, the company that, that develops chat GPT. We've also got Kevin Kelly speaking. He is one of the founding editors of 
Wired. He wrote a piece in Wired, I believe it was in the December issue about generative AI. And this was even before chat GPT had come out. But he argued, and I thought it was fascinating, I think it, 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 that he's, he'll expand on this or not at South by Southwest, that generative AI will really expand creativity. And this idea that that you can learn, you can use generative AI for a first draft and then build off of that. I'm not sure if I completely agree with that. For the last decade, I've always said that humans have creativity as our ultimate power. And I think that generative AI makes us rethink this. But again, this will be something that just is talked about, debated, argued about passionately throughout South by Southwest. And that makes sense given how much we focus on creativity. We've always focused on creativity and given it how much Generative AI just changes our ideas, our definitions, our framework, our perspectives on what creativity is moving forward. And back to your question from a few minutes ago, Liz, maybe we'll come back a year from now and we'll all have decided generative AI, there are too many mistakes, there are too many errors, chat GPT just doesn't give the right answer. We jumped into this pool too too much in the deep end and we're not there yet and let's go back to something else. I don't know. This feels a little more real than some of the other things that have come up in the last decade or so, but we'll understand that a little more in the months and years ahead because it's always hard to pull yourself out of that particular moment and see the bigger picture. Craig, is there anything you want to add around the generative AI piece? I think it's an incredibly interesting topic and it's something that Hugh just commented on. It does feel this round. You think about AI in general, it's had a couple of winters and freezes, right? This feels like a major thawing and and something that has actually got legs and is going to have some progress. But I think it's, I always find it fascinating with any new technology, any new trend, just the things that are constantly debated, especially on the industries most impacted. And you're always going to have advocates and, and haters. And at the end of the day, the technology will continue to evolve. I tend to, at least for the time being, think I'm in the camp of, I, I think that this is additive. I think it's, uh, I think it can be very complementary to the creative process. And, and who knows where it's going to go. If I compare it to something like in photography, if you go back 25 years, a landscape photographer might not have wanted to use a, a physical filter. And you fast forward to today and everything that people do in Photoshop and Lightroom and enhancements to, to photographs, it's a tool and it's become accepted as art. So we'll see where generative AI goes, but uh, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive what's available today. And it is very much just the beginning. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a great topic. Let me add one more thing there, Liz, and this is gleaned from 30 plus years of doing this job and it's incredibly simple, but nonetheless, it is, you know, I think that if you can't explain a technology to your parents, to the, your next door neighbor, it's going to be hard to get mass adoption. And when we were all in on crypto a year ago or two years ago, that, that's really hard to explain. I don't think I can explain that well. Whereas something like AI, if nothing else, you can say, remember that movie from oh, X number of years ago, and it, it's more understandable. And I think that's always a huge, a huge boon to adoption by the mainstream, as opposed to simply adoption by the geeks and nerds who go to a thing like South by Southwest. The big push that we had with at tech, with technology at South by Southwest when we moved from an event that was more music focused to an event that is probably more tech focused was in the mid 2000s when we were the right place the right time on a lot of social media stuff it's hard to it's hard to think of this now but 
in 2005, 2006, people were coming to events like South by Southwest to really understand what social media was because you because it was a, somewhat of a foreign concept. But it's not that hard to explain. And once you show people, they're, oh, yeah, I can see that. And that's why social media popped. We can have another discussion about was that a good thing or not that social media popped at an event like South by Southwest. But my point is that the through line there that technologies that are easy, that are relatively easy to understand are always going to be the ones that are most sustainable, have the most legs versus things that are complicated. They're going to they're going to work well within certain communities, but probably are not going to get mass adoption. Do you think the experience also has something to play in there, too? Absolutely. If it is a an easy experience, if it is a pleasant experience, if it is an experience that gives someone joy, yes, that's wow, that's neat. And I think for all of us um, or a lot of us, there was a point in the last eight months where we played around with Dolly or whatever. And was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And look at these pictures I, that I created by throwing in weird prompts. And so, again, your experience there is interest, amazement, joy. And that's a big part of getting mainstream enthused with technologies like these, this one. Excellent. Well, we, we talked a lot about generative AI, but do you see any other technologies possibly disrupting a lot of industries this year? Or being a big topic at South by Southwest here. I think the the other topic that's that will be are two other topics that will be very strong this year. One, climate change, and that's really the wrong way to say it. It's more climate change solutions. The startups that are doing green tech startups that are that have new ideas to how to mitigate climate crisis. We've got the professors at the University of Texas who invented this enzyme that eats plastics that could change the game in terms of recycling. So a lot of content on uh, climate change. We've got a lot of we've got a new track on energy and it's really sustainable alternative energy. So again, that's a way to mitigate this problem. We've got a keynote from Ryan Gellert, who is the CEO of Patagonia, talking about some of the things that they're doing internally and externally to try to the impact of climate change. So again, I think that's something that will be very prevalent throughout in a lot of different conversations. I also think that another one that's going to, that's been big at South by Southwest in the past, will be big again in 2023, is all things space. Nerds, geeks love space. We love the idea of being able to travel somewhere else to a completely different world. We've got a, a keynote on Tuesday, March 14th, I believe, which is four female scientists talking about the James Webb Telescope, and they're going to release a new photo there. We just added William Shatner as a keynote on Thursday, March 16th, and that'll be in association with a documentary that's being screened at, at South by Southwest, and much of the documentary is focused on his flight, the space flight he did with Jeff Bezos and how life-impacting that was. But again, a lot of space content throughout. These are three of the probably more prominent themes. That said, in an event as big as South by Southwest is, and big is not necessarily a good thing, but we're big, there are literally a hundred different themes you can pull out of, yeah, this is the theme, or no, that's the theme. That is both a feature and a flaw that there's not one central theme, but it's a choose your own adventure. And that's always worked pretty well with our community. Well, that always leads to creativity and more new thoughts and provocations. So coming back to you, Craig, is there anything that you see is possibly disrupting a lot of industries this year that we might see at South, at South by Southwest? Obviously, my purview being our uh, Gemini invent business, the, the things that we see, you know, when we look at, you know, sort of where, where the Fortune 500 clients are, 
are um, you know are spending money, you know the topics and the challenges that they're addressing, and we do this by sort of coming through earnings reports over the last year. Um, sustainability, you know, climate change, um, those t- those really are. I mean, they they've sort of moved from what I would say a, a fad or a you know a trend to to talk about into something that companies are actually spending money on. Um, so I think that's something that I'm I'm super interested. Just you know, Hugh as a as a uh, attendee of South by Southwest, really digging into uh, to some of the parts of uh, of the conference that I see that are going to focus on that is is pretty interesting. Um, I think that it's a real thing. I, th- I think um, you know companies are uh, have a couple different motivations uh, for uh, for this focus, but I think it's real, and I think it's uh, it's gone you know by um, or it's it's past the stage of hey we want to do it just to say that we're doing it. I think people are putting real money behind it, so I'm interested in that. What about the lovely metaverse and all of those? Is that less of a hot topic this time around? Great question, Liz. So much of our content, we get through this process called Panel Picker, which is where people in our community enter speaking proposals. We'll typically get four to 5,000 total of these proposals. These proposals come in the summer before, so typically mid-June through early July. And certainly the thing that was rising to the top last summer was metaverse. There were 200 or so total speaking proposals that focused on metaverse in one form or another. I think that in the six months since then, metaverse has cooled, or all things metaverse have cooled off a little bit. I even was reading some story, what, a week ago where I saw the term metaverse winter, which I hadn't seen before. I don't think there's quite as much optimism, excitement, passion about the metaverse as there was last summer. I think that as with all things that are hyped and this industry is often so full of hype, there's the hype and then there's a little bit of a, a come down and then there's some real world applications that 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 come out of that. So I think we're beginning to come come down from the hype and understand a little more about what this is good for, what it's not good for, what it will, what the early, early manifestations of this will be, how it will manifest long term. And yes, we'll see quite a bit of that at South by Southwest. But I, but what I would have told you in the summer is it's going to be the biggest trend at South by Southwest 2023. I will retreating from that claim now. Craig, anything you'd like to add there? I, um, I do agree with Hugh that it, it does feel like the, um, you know, the, the hype of uh, the metaverse is, you know, is, is trailing off pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's another thing that we, uh, we, we keep a tab on and we do see that, uh, that enterprises are still spending money in that space. Um, so it's, you know, the enterprise versus consumer market, obviously very different. Um, but I think it's real enough to where, um, we, we do have companies that, you know, especially our clients that are looking at this and, and spending money on it. Um, but even that um, isn't enough to, you know, to continue to fuel the hype. And I, I think things are settling down there. So like we spoke about earlier, South by Southwest is an organization that has always been changing and innovating. So Hugh, what advice would you give to a business right now on how their business can not only survive the current crisis of creativity, but overcome it? Ah, uh, great question. And believe me, I'm the first in line to to try to get advice if there are others. I think that we've all got to just stay the obvious here. We've all got to realize that we are in an inflection point in terms of workplace culture. We've gone from many of us working at home for 18 months or two years to do we come back to the office? Do we not come back to the office? What are those opportunities? So I think the first 
thing here is, again, just recognizing that, that there is no more business as usual. Are we going to all work from home? Are we going to migrate to a four-day work week? Are we going to, what do we lose when we have a office that's not centralized? And there are some incredible thinkers out there who've done a lot of research on this. So I encourage leaders such as myself to, to try to take in all that information, try to listen to employees, our employees, as much as possible. Back to your question from to Craig from a few minutes back. I, I think we can all do as employers a lot to try to retain our most creative employees, but I think we also have to understand that a creative employee is going to have a career at this point that spans many different stops. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that they spend a couple of years at your particular place of work and then go on to something different and you bring in a new voice. That's just how the game is played more in this generation versus when I was first entering the work workforce. What about you, Craig? What kind of advice would you have for businesses right now on how they can survive this crisis of creativity and overcome it? I'll, I'll purposely pick up on on what we're doing at South by Southwest, which is this concept of the power of provocation. And I think that provocation or the challenge is really the key to that, right? You have to take a step back. You have to look at where the existing constraints are. And every business is full of constraints, whether they be budget, profit, revenue, goals, et cetera, some, sometimes regulation. I think constraints are a fact and everywhere. So, so how do you actually get creative outside of that? I think you have to challenge what exists. You have to almost look at it as if there are no constraints. And I think when we can do those things and push those constraints away, we have the ability to truly become creative. And I think that's the key. And we'll obviously be talking about that in the next week or so at South by Southwest. But I think that is that is fundamental to, um, you know, to sort of surviving this uh, creative crisis. So it's about time to wrap up. Hugh, any last thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with? Last thoughts, if you're coming to South by Southwest, I encourage you to come up with a game plan, have a strategy. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to achieve? What are your goals? And map out what you're going to attend, what sessions you're going to attend, what networking events you're going to attend to achieve those goals. It's a big event and it's easy to get overwhelmed. If you're not attending South by Southwest, please follow online. There's a lot there. There's some content that's online. There's some that you can, some great stuff you can get out from just reading this stuff. And then I mentioned it earlier, we'd love to have the ideas from this community as potential sessions for the 2024 event. So watch the South by Southwest website in June and July for information on how to enter speaking proposals for next year. And again, that's listening to the community, following the community, understanding the community, hearing the community, communicating with the community is one of the ways that I think we've been able to stay relatively fresh in our approach and pivot to, to new ideas that are extremely compelling. Thank you. What about you, Craig? Can you have any last thoughts for us? Yeah, I would just in, invite anybody that's going to be at South by Southwest to engage with us in our power of provocation. We'll be doing that through Anthony's conversation in our lounge and at our studio on our, our closing party. From that conversation, it's clear that South by Southwest is an organization that has truly changed and innovated with the times and is an exciting example of how your company can stay creatively competitive. A special thank you to Craig and Hugh. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Future Sight, a show from Capgemini Invent. We'll see you soon.